back, we were, my family and I were in Guatemala for a week. We stayed out of prison, which was good, and uh, we had a really wonderful time, and it's, it's fun to be back. We are doing this disjointed series because I was gone, uh, I, I started it a couple weeks ago, and then Rihanna preached, and then now I'm back, and then um, uh, Mark's going to be preaching next week uh, as, his, as his first time preaching here, so we're excited about that. And uh, then we'll, we'll hit it back again. But it's this idea of worry versus wisdom because um, I don't know if you're like me, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things to worry about. You know, you turn on the news or if, God forbid, you have a Twitter account or uh, there's just a constant feed of things to, to worry about in our nation, around the world, maybe in your personal, personal finances, maybe in your relationships. What I've found in my life is that almost everything I'm worried about or have the potential to be worried about, the Bible addresses. The Bible somehow hits on that. The Bible talks about how to deal with the anxiety of the future. The Bible deals with how to deal with the uh, anxiety about your finances, about relationships, about when uh, you've been wronged. And you're worried about how that's going to impact you and all, all those things. And what I wanted to talk about this morning is uh, something that I think we all are, are near and dear to our lives. And it's the fact that we're all building something. We're all building something in our lives. Maybe you're building a career. Uh, maybe you're building a relationship. Maybe you're trying to build some, uh, we talked about youth camp. Maybe you've got some youths of your own that uh, you're trying to build their lives and, and, uh, and uh, get them to maybe follow the Lord or to uh, be responsible citizens or what have you. Uh, we're all building something. And the problem that we face, at least that I face, is that maybe you can finish a sentence uh, with me. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough hours in the day. And so what ends up happening is when you're at work, this might happen to you, it might not. When I'm at work, I'm thinking of all the things I have to do at home. Right? And so I'm at my desk and I'm working and I'm like, oh man, I got to get back. That's right. Lisa told me I got to take out the trash. If I don't do that, I'm in big trouble. I'll be sleeping on the couch. And so I go through all that, that whole thing. And then I get home and I start thinking about all the things I got to do at work. Right? And so I go, I start thinking about, oh man, you know what? I did, I, I wanted to get everything done. I couldn't possibly get everything done. And so I, I just, and, and, and so there's this tension that you feel constantly. And at the end of the day, Something is going to get cheated. Something's going to get cheated. There are not enough hours in the day. And so you're going to end up finding a place to cheat somewhere. Because think about it. How long would you have to stay at work to get everything done for work? What time would you have to get there and leave? And a lot of you, for, you're like, I, I, I'd get there at 5 in the morning and I'd leave at, you know, 10 at night. You know, that, that, that would be the thing. And then how long would it take you to get everything done at home? How long would you have to stay at home and then say, oh, okay, you can go into work once you're done with everything at home? Well, you might end up going into work at 2 in the afternoon or something. There's just not enough hours in the day and someone's going to get cheated. And here's the question I'm going to ask you this morning. Hopefully the Holy Spirit's going to ask you. Who are you cheating? Who are you cheating? Because oftentimes what I have found is that I cheat the people I rely on the most. 
I cheat the people closest to me because I know that if I cheat them, it's going to be okay. They have to love me. And so there have been times in my career when I've cheated my kids because I know, I know they're going to be home. I know they love me. I know all this kind of stuff. There are times I've cheated my wife, not on my wife. I've cheated my wife of time that she deserves, that she needs, right? There are times I've cheated on friends or cheated friends. I, you know, I should have re- rehearsed this a little more, okay? <laughs> Anytime I say on, I just, just take that out, okay? It's a, it, it, it's a bad preposition. Uh, but but I've, I've cheated them out of time. I've cheated, um, uh, you know, different, different relationships. And I just find that those are the ones, I mean, and it's kind of like this. It's like we're building things that are really important, and we, we take these things to our loved ones and we say, here, hold the, this for a while. I'm building something over there and I'll, I'll come back and get it. And so at the beginning, you know, they say, well, you know, this, this season at work, it's just a season. It's just, it's only going to last a few months and then everything's going to calm down and everything will be okay. I just have to make sure I get this promotion and then we'll go, we'll go from there. And so you, you have them hold that. And for a while, it's okay. They say, okay, it's just, it's just a season. It's just a, a, a time. Okay, it's just until they get that contract, until he or she gets that contract. It's just until uh, the school season's over. It's just until here. It's just until uh, Christmas. We just got to get through Christmas. That's all we got to do. And they hold it and hold it and hold it. And as they hold on, their arms get more and more tired. But for us, oftentimes, they'll be holding them, and then we'll come along and go, there's just one, there's just one more thing, and we'll place that on the stack. And I've seen marriages uh, crumble because, with this principle of just adding, 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 adding. I've seen kids resent their parents, and all the while, we're trying to build a career and take care of them and uh, all these types of things, and at the end of the day, we've cheated the people who are so important to us. I don't know if you know uh, my situation, but um, when I got out of college, we had this, um, I, I started working for an import-export company, and if you know anything about import-export, there's a lot of paperwork that the government has you fill out. Go figure. Uh, anyway, so you, you fill out these papers, and one, one document is called a 7512. Already, everybody's just like, Okay. <laughs> Trust me, I know. That's exactly what it was like. And you could fill out about six of those an hour. And you did it with a typewriter. Kids, there was this thing called a typewriter. It made lots of noise. Ding! And you'd slide it over like that. That's where we got swipe left from. Okay? It's just uh, from the thing. So, uh, so you'd type, you'd type, you could type six of them. But if you made a mistake... One little error, one spelling thing or whatever, you had to start all over again. They had to be perfect. And so I got out of college. I started doing, started filling out these 7512 things. Now, if you know me, I am super patient and I'm very calm and uh, I love, I love menial labor intensive tasks. They just fuel me. I, I love it. So you would hear me at the desk, tick, 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 tick. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Right next one. So, what I did, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. I uh, remembered that in college I had a computer, and so I thought, you know, there's probably a program I could buy, and we could we could um, 
you know, do it like on the computer and then have the printer print these up. And then I can make all the mistakes I want and I can just change them and all this kind of stuff. So that began my love affair with technology. I went to Egghead Software. I don't know if you remember with that. Kids, there was this thing uh, called Egghead Software. It was prior to the internet. Uh, you could, uh, where you, now you just download everything. But you actually had to go get a box, a shrink wrap box with some floppy disks in it. There are these things called floppy disks. Uh, <laughs> So, so, so I get, I get, I get, I get this software called FileMaker, and um, it, it began. So I went from doing six in an hour to forty in an hour. So my boss was just like. Whatever you did right there, do that for everybody. And so uh, we started, and I started learning about networking and all that kind of stuff. So I, I ran their uh, IT, and we created a software program that ran the whole company and all that. And when I became a pastor, uh, I took them on as a consulting job. Because when I became a pastor, uh, my income actually went down, not up. It was a horrible career move financially. <laughs> and so this was a, allowed me to be able to stay in ministry while I worked for that old company. I've been working on that particular program for that particular company for 29 years. And last week I quit. Here's why. I was carrying too many bricks was there anything wrong? I did all the time I'd work for that company. It was on my days off. It didn't affect the church. It wasn't wrong. It wasn't immoral. It wasn't anything. It was that the Lord told me, you have one too many bricks right now, and you need to set it down. And so uh, I'll finish the story in a, in a little bit. But I was told by God in a one day, quit. And I'm like, 29 years, Lord. I know that program, like it's all swimming in here. I know it like the back of my hand. I could walk in there today and I could just tell you everything about it and everything he said. Not he was going to kill me, but that, to, <laughs> to, to quit. So let me, let me show you a, a section of scripture that I want to talk about this morning that maybe um, will resonate with you. Um, as you think about your own life and you think about the different things that you've, you're holding on to build, um, sometimes they're really good things. Sometimes it's, it's, it's what you're building are your kids. And so it, it, it seems good to have ballet, soccer practice, piano lessons, uh, you, you know, theater, whatever, insert whatever, whatever it is there. And it feels like, man, we're really investing, but it's coming at the expense of someone else, maybe your spouse. Maybe as parents, you're doing so much loving on your kids that you're neglecting each other. Maybe for you, it's a career, and it's great, and it's good to have a career. And, 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 and there are seasons in our careers when we're just, we just have to grind. You just have to, you know, when you're just starting out or whatever. But are we going back to the Lord with our bricks going, am I carrying one too many bricks? Well, what happened um, in the history of Israel... Israel, the, the, the whole plan that God had was that he would have a people and they would be his people. They would be dedicated to him and he would be their God and they would worship him alone. They would have no other gods. They would worship him. And as they aligned their lives to his attributes, to, to the way he had designed them to, they would flourish. And in so flourishing, 
the different nations from around the world would see and say, what a great God you serve. And they would begin to serve that God. And that through Israel, the rest of the world would come to know Yahweh. That was the plan. And Israel was one nation. It was called Israel, okay? Well, they started worshiping other gods. They started doing things that God doesn't find good. They started neglecting the poor. They started taking advantage of one another. They started uh, rejecting the alien and the foreigner and the widow and the orphan. And justice was not being done. And they divided into two sections, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And God was not happy. So the Babylonians came and took over the nation of Israel. And in doing so, a lot of people died. Nebuchadnezzar came in, it was brutal, and, uh, but he left some people alive. He left the elite, the educated, I'm not kidding you, the good-looking, the attractive people. He let them all go. So in other words, it, let's say they took over Garden Grove, you would all be spared, okay? Because you're the good-looking, uh, educated, wealthy people, okay? And so they take these, these uh, young men and women and they bring them over to Babylon to serve there. It was kind of a brilliant move on behalf of the king because uh, he, he would be able to glean from their culture and be able to um, have different voices and different way, you know, um, t- to show that I've conquered all these different things. And so he, we, we catch it in the book of Daniel that describes what kind of people that they um, bring, brought along. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So this is what Nebuchadnezzar had planned out. I'm going to take the best of the best from these different cultures, and I'm going to use them for my stuff. I'm going to take their, it's kind of like, uh, well, the Lakers just did that with the signing of LeBron James, okay? So I'm very, very happy about that. Um, and so they, they, we get LeBron James, okay? So that's what, that's what we do. We want to glean, then we want Clevin Durant, and we want Kawhi Leonard, and uh, we can throw in Steph Curry if we want, but uh, there we go. That's exactly what would happen if, if, uh, if we had it my way, okay? And so they, that's what they did. They brought him into the king's palace. And Nebuchadnezzar was going to teach them the language and and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Now you got to understand, from the king's table is a really important phrase because it's really good food. They were being really well fed. They were being very well taken care of. And if you think about it from their perspective... If the alternative is to die, (laughs) and then now you find yourself with really great food in a really safe environment, the king is taking care of you, you're learning, you're growing, it actually doesn't sound to be like that bad of a deal. They were trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, the Bible goes in and talks about four of these guys. Among those were chosen from or some from Judah. That's that southern portion. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, Belteshazzar, 
to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. These are names that uh, identify with these Babylonian gods. They, their cultures change. Now, I want you to think about it from their perspective. This isn't too bad. Now, they changed everything about them. They changed their hair. They put earrings in their ears to show uh, that they were slaves. They changed their clothing, and they changed their names. And they gave them food, security, training, everything they needed. It's not too bad. The culture of that time dominated their lives. The gods of that time were everywhere. The king was to be worshipped. The king was to be obeyed no matter what. In other words, if they would just not rock the boat, if they would just go along with culture, if they would just go along with the way things were, they were going to be fine. As a matter of fact, I could almost make the case that they were guaranteed to be fine. They were elites if they would just keep their mouth shut and if they just go along with the culture and what the culture was demanding of them, they'd be safe. Here's the problem. But Daniel resolved. Daniel had an idea. Daniel had something stirring in him. Daniel had something that he, he, it just didn't jive with him. Like the culture was fine for them and, and, and okay, you can change my hair, you know, that's all right. You can change my dress, that's okay. You can put, I'll take an earring or two, whatever. I'll, 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 uh, you can change my name, but there's just, it got to a point where there was one part of the culture, one part of the situation, one brick that was just too many. And Daniel said, I can't carry that. Those other things are fine, but I can't carry that. What did Daniel resolve? Well, through the commitments that Daniel had made to God, there were certain foods and things that God did not allow Daniel to eat. And there are certain things that God did not allow Daniel to drink. And so it says, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And so here's this choice food prepared for Daniel and for all these, all these young men that were smart and attractive and all, all this. And Daniel just couldn't, he couldn't do it. And so Daniel does the unthinkable. <laughs> Daniel stands in the face of his culture. Daniel decides to speak out. Daniel decides to take action. Daniel decides to make a change. Now, it's very difficult for us to understand the enormity of what Daniel's about to do. But I'll bet you can get some pretty close to it. A lot of you have bosses, okay? And so you, you, you might have a conversation with your boss that is uncomfortable, uh, that you 
don't want to bring up or maybe you, for the kids who are here that your parent, you know, you got to tell your mom or dad something and you just don't want to tell them and it's just got to eat, eat, eat at you, but you know it's the right thing to do. Uh, for sometimes it's we're, we're talking to our spouse or whatever. We just, there's just something in us that we know God is stirring and we have to say, I can't do that anymore. Or I have to do this now because I've resolved that this is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of father I want to be. This is the kind of mother I want to be. This is the kind of uh, man or woman I want to be. So Daniel resolves that he can't have this food and this wine because uh, a lot of what was happening in food had to do with idol worship and had to do with uh, the system of what was going on. And so for some reason, whether it be something from um, the... uh, uh, that Daniel made a commitment to before God to do. And I don't know why the other guys, it, you know, there was other people just besides the four, but these four got together and just said, no, we, we can't. And so he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Do you know what this is like? This would be like if your boss comes to you, your cubicle or wherever, your office, whatever. Uh, forklift driver, what doesn't matter. Comes to you and says, "Hey, um, I want you to fill out this report and have it on my desk by tomorrow. Or I want you to uh, make sure all of this is done before you go home." And you go, "Yeah, nah." That's what it's like. Oh, except that your boss can kill you. Okay, your boss can have you executed. Okay, this is what Daniel's doing. He goes to the chief priest, I mean, to the chief uh, official, and he says, hey, I can't eat that food you're giving me. Can you imagine the tension that you would feel in doing something like that? But isn't that the tension we all feel when we're ready to make a decision that we know God wants us to make and we don't know the outcome yet? Daniel has no idea what the outcome's going to be. He has none. The, the official can go, you know what? You were in this awesome school. We were going to teach you all these things. And now you're going to go make bricks. Okay? That's what you're going to do. You want to have your little diet over there? Go for it. Make bricks with whatever thing you want to eat over there. We're not doing this anymore. He could have said, you know, you're defiling the whole, you know, you're defying us. You're dead. That's not, that, that was common. He's risking his life in order not to defile himself in this way. And then right after this are two words that to me are so uh, precious about our Heavenly Father. They're just two words. I hope this week you just remember these two words that we're going to read in just a little bit. Because What these two words do is they show us that when we make these decisions in our lives, and and my decision to drop one of my bricks might be completely different than your decision to drop one of your bricks, right? I might might set a certain um, allotment of time for work, and that's my boundary, or I set another boundary as it relates to something else in my life, and it might not have anything to do with you, or it's right, or it's wrong, or any of those things. It's just my boundary. It's just what I've resolved to do between me and the Lord. 
And, and while we have these things and we're nervous about change and we're nervous about doing the right thing and what is everyone at work going to say and what is everyone at school going to say and what, I've been doing this for 29 years and now all of a sudden you just stop? Like, what, why does that even make sense? Was it wrong all that time? Was it, you know, all these different questions and you're wondering what, you know, what's going to happen? That while you're struggling with that decision, And while you've made that resolution to become a godly man or woman, and you know that's going to cost you in some certain areas, it might cost you some friends, it might cost you some money, it might cost you some time, it might cost you some respect. At the end of the day, God is moving and he's working behind the scenes. I hope you remember these two words this week. Now God... Now God. Have you ever had a now God moment? When you're so nervous about something and you're so worried about something and, 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 and the circumstances aren't changing and uh, all of a sudden uh, maybe, you, maybe something comes in the mail. as a now God moment. Like, whoa, he's been working the whole time. Or maybe you've been thinking about talking to somebody and addressing a situation and, 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 and you're nervous and you know God is saying you're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to speak up. And you go and you go to speak up and, and all of a sudden they go, oh, I was thinking the same thing. I got to make a change. And you're like, wow, that was a now God moment. But what, what is amazing to me is that these now God moments are, are things that are hidden in the future. If Daniel just lifts up his feet and gets carried by culture and says, well, you know what? The Babylonians took over and went in Babylon. I guess you do what the Babylonians do. There is no temple. There is no sacrifice. There's nothing else. I might as well do be the best Babylonian I can be. If he'd done that, he would have missed this now God moment because he wouldn't have had the courage to make the decision. Now God moments are always in the future and they always relate to our obedience. As we step out in faith, as we make our decisions, then we have these now God moments. Now I see how you've been moving. Now I see how much you love me. Now I can see why it was important for me to do this. Now I can see because now God, I've experienced you. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Daniel never would have known that. Daniel never would have known what the outcome was going to be. And so, but the official, we'll skip through these uh, verses, but the official basically tells Daniel, listen, whatever your little wacky diet plan is, you know, like, I don't know what DVDs you got on the internet or whatever, um, it could cost me not my job, but my head. <laughs> like for me taking a risk on you doing your thing could cost me my life. And so I don't really want to do your diet thing because if all of a sudden you look emaciated or you can't keep track of your times tables or whatever we're trying to teach you and the king finds out and he asks me what have they been eating or what have they been doing or they, get, they, used, they would get inspected and if all of a sudden they're like, well, what's this? Is this a rib poking out? What, I mean, what, what, are you, what are you guys doing? And the official's like, well, they wanted to eat vegetables and so I thought, you know, maybe they could have vegetables. The guy dies. So he explains this to Daniel. Here's what Daniel says. Please test your servants for 10 days. 
Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Is there an area in your life where you're carrying too many bricks? Maybe you're working too many hours at work. And you think, John, if you knew my work, everybody works crazy hours at my work. There's no way to get around it. That's just what what happens. What if? What if God has been working in the background? What if God's been working in the background and he says, you know what? You were not designed to carry all those bricks. You were not designed to carry that much stress. You were not designed to try to control everything. I want you to drop one of those bricks. I want you to get rid of one of those things. Maybe it looks like going into your work and saying, listen, here's what we're going to do, what I'd like to do. I'd like to work from home one day a week and just not do the commute, not do anything, and, and we'll try it for a month and just see how productive I am. Maybe it looks like something like that. Maybe for you, it's a side job you have going that you just have to get rid of. Maybe it's how you're spending your time or what you're worrying about or a relationship. Maybe there's an unhealthy relationship that is costing you and you're on the verge of your whole family just dropping the bricks. If you just get rid of that relationship, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's how you spend your money where God's saying, do you want to be a man of God? Do you want to be a woman of God? Then you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to set that down. And you're going to have to have some hard conversations. So the way it happened for me was, I was going my merry way. Uh, we were working on a project with United Airlines on marrying our two systems for um, this new program we had. And, um, and everything was going fine. And uh, we're dealing with this other consultant. And... Um, I woke up one day, it was actually Wednesday, uh, uh, last, last Wednesday, I woke up, and I just felt the Lord going, drop the brick, let it go. And I walk into the kitchen, Lisa's there, and I go, and I'm thinking to myself, man, how am I going to take, you know, how am I going to, like, this is money. Like, this is, you know, this keeps me up on technology, which I love. I mean, there's just a lot to lose, you know. And I said, honey, I, Hartree's is the name of the company. I said, I think I got to get rid of Hartree's. You know what she said? Now God had been working on the heart of John's wife <laughs> already. She's like, oh, good. Oh, good. Really? Oh, good. Well, the next day I went to go see this consultant. And uh, I said, hey, um, I know we've been working together on this project and everything. Um, I'm quitting tomorrow. <laughs> and so, good luck. <laughs> Hope it works out. And he says, oh, he says, we have someone in our office that could probably just take over what you're doing and then take care of the company that you're taking care of. Now God had already been working in the hearts, if consultants have hearts, uh, of the consultants. 
working all that out. I was weird. But now I got to go tell a company I've been working for for 29 years that the entire program of their company is rattling around in my pea-sized brain. And they're stressed out with this, with this account, trying to get it all up and running. And I got to walk in, and I got to quit. And they're really good friends of mine. And I have to walk out the door. So I pull the vice president aside. I said, can we go in the conference room and talk? And uh, he thought I was going to raise their rates. Um, <laughs> And he sit down. I say, hey, man, I've just really appreciated this this whole time. It's allowed me to do ministry. Uh, but today's my last day. And uh, now God had been working in the heart of Jerry. And he said, you know what? I was thinking about you and the church and my church and everything. And he was thinking, you know, I, I always wondered... Is it like good for you to be doing this and have the church? Because I know at my church, my pastor's always stressed out and all that. And you seem to handle it fine. But, but I, I think this is the best thing for you. So then I go out to lunch with the general manager, who's another good friend of mine. He doesn't know anything. And he like relies on this particular program a lot. And so we go out to lunch. It's really great because they always pay for lunch. So we're having sushi, <laughs> and, um, and I said, Andy, uh, remember we were talking about my rates, and you were saying that, you know, we were talking about, like, are they fair, and all that kind of stuff, and he's like, yeah, 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 what, what do you need? I said, today's my last day, <laughs> and he's like, what? we can raise the rates, you don't have to go I said, no, man, I just, I feel like God is just, it's closing a chapter, I gotta let it go, and I'm just not, I just can't. I feel like God's telling me to quit. I, I know that's not, doesn't sound right or fair or whatever, but he goes, you know what? Now God had been working in the heart of Andy. And he said, yeah, I think it's, that sounds right. That sounds right. And so we set up a deal about me coming in for free just every now and then just to make sure things are going okay, which is super life-giving for me. But here's my point. I didn't know exactly what I was going to be preaching on. I'd like to say I read this, this situation and I thought, what are the bricks that are in my life that I should get rid of? And God told me that. I just woke up one morning and God said, no, it's over. And the next day, it was over. And so it's been 10 days now, uh, the 10-day test. And this is exactly what God wanted for me. Now, granted, there'll be some consequences down the line as it relates to cash flow and all that kind of stuff, but God, God's in control of that. He's been working in my life in that area. His, my whole life, he's taken care of me. On, I've never in my life had to worry about eating or living somewhere. God, my heavenly father has taken care of me my entire life. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to do it again. I do not have to pick up that brick any longer. So my question to you is, do you have a brick that you're holding on to? Do you have something that, that when you think about letting it go, your mind races with all the consequences and you think, well, I'm going to hold on to it for just another month, another three months, just until the end of the year. I'll, 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 get, I'll tell you what, I, yes, 
I understand God wants me to let the brick go, let the relationship go, let the, the extra job go, let, let this go, whatever. I, I, I know he's asking me to do that. I know he's asking me to pull my kid out of one, of one too many things. And you're like, oh boy, but what if she was going to be a professional ballerina? And now what if she, what if she can't and ballet doesn't work? Or she was going to be on the Olympic uh, you know, gymnastics team. And now with all those hopes and dreams are dashed when she's five. Uh, you know, like, like, what, like, like what is it? Is there something God's like, no, 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 now, drop it now. I will deal with the consequence. You're going to see a now God moment. You're going to see a now God moment in your marriage, a now God moment in your family, a now God moment at work, a now God moment at school because you were obedient. I don't want to miss those. I don't want to miss those moments. And maybe it doesn't end up as nicely as I wrapped it up with my situation. I was just happy because most of the examples I give from up here is all the things I've done wrong, and I finally did something right, and I was so excited to share it. <laughs> it might not wrap up like that. There might be some difficult, some bumps in the road, some difficulties, some things like that. But God will now allow you to experience this now God moment until you obey. And he's faithful to handle it. 